Something, you know he's been there. You know he's been stirring things up. You know he's been uh, messing around with you, for lack of a better term. But if we're going to be victorious long term, we must learn to pray. And now, I'll probably start and end on a similar note, but I hear this word relationships, and it makes me cringe a little bit now. Because it, it's, it's gotten so taken out of context, and, and everything's become about relationships, and, and truth has went way down the line. But I wanted to focus a little bit on relationships, and, and an amazing relationship, and a, re- a relationship that I don't think most of us can fathom, and that's our relationship with God. Uh, God, our Heavenly Father, wants a relationship with us. He wants us to communicate with us. He wants to hear from us. He wants to hear our needs. He wants to hear our burdens. He wants to hear our praise. And, and He's waiting to hear from, from us. And if we don't have that relationship, all these other relationships people talk about are not going to go like we want them to go. They're, they're going to fall short. They're going to be uh, so-so. But when our relationship with God is what it should be, these other relationships will be what they should be. And, and the only way of, of getting or forming a good relationship is to communicate and to spend time with and to open yourselves up and be a little vulnerable. Prayer sometimes is like an involuntary action. Uh, you get scared or you're needy and, and you cry out to God. And, and, I need help. You know, it's kind of involuntary. You're, um, Atheists do involuntary prayer. You know, if the plane's going down, they were an atheist and now they believe in God. Um, and and it's a, it sometimes there's a sporadic or involuntary action where um, it's just a, you know, crying out for mercy or grace. But more often than not, uh, we enter into prayer in a more common manner. Um, for lack of a better term, a normal way. So as you think of your day, when do you, when do you pray? Uh, maybe when you got up, there was a prayer on your lips, uh, thanking the Lord for the, the good night or the lack thereof, Jeremy's case. Uh, 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 but that you did wake up, and, you know, maybe you thank Him that you didn't feel as tired as you, you maybe should have, you know, for lack of sleep. You know, I feel pretty good this morning. I didn't sleep that much, but, you know, it's another day. Uh, I'm going to take it on. Uh, you sit down for breakfast, and, and you, you, you might say a quick prayer for breakfast. Uh, thank you for the cereal, amen, and, and then move, you know. I'm not sure how your prayer life is, but as you go through your day, what does is, what is your prayer life look like? Or, or maybe your prayers revolve around, you know, hardships that you face. Well, God, I'm, you know, I'm so burdened, and, and this happened to me this week, and, and um, I have aches and pains, and I, I, I feel needy. And, and that's not all bad. I'm just, I'm trying to get us to think, what do we present to God? What are we talking about? Um, for those of you who have dated, uh, did, did your significant other, did they always like to hear about your aches and pains? And did they always like to, to, to know about how bad things were going? And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to go by the drugstore, you know, after talking to you, get some Advil, you know, so I can put up with this relationship. And no, that, that's probably, that wouldn't have went very good. You know, um, that, it, and I don't think God's any different. You know, I don't, I think he wants to hear from us. But I also think he wants a deeper relationship. 
how much of a, how much time do we spend, or how much of it gets um, interrupted? When I examine my life, and I, th I think of uninterrupted prayer, uninterrupted prayer, there's not a lot of that going on. Normally, I'm driving and praying, or I'm walking through the chickens and I'm praying, or I'm sweeping floor and praying, or I'm doing something and praying, and then my phone might ring, or some child might yell, or, you know, there, it gets interrupted a lot. And even by our thoughts, you know, sometimes my thoughts interrupt my prayers. And I, I'm not saying we should have thoughtless prayers, but just as an example, so, so you finally found that ideal moment where you could take some time and you could be alone in prayer. And so you're kneeling down or you're sitting down or whatever it is, whatever position you're in, and you're praying and, and you're, you're, you have a burden for your next door neighbor, let's say. And you're, you're God, just be near, you know, save his soul. And, and I just, um, you're just pouring out your heart to God. But then it's like slowly changing. And yeah, my next door neighbor, he has a wood processor. And I wonder if, I wonder if he ever got his wood processor fixed. And, um, Oh, speaking of wood, you know, I need to go cut some wood, and, and I don't have much out by my wood pile, and then your mind starts to wander, and, well, what if I run out of wood this winter, and, and before you know it, you're not even praying anymore, your mind's just wandering, it, it, it left, you know, you were spending some time alone with God, and Satan comes in there, and he's like trying to distract you, because he doesn't want that time alone with God, so he's putting these other thoughts, and, and your mind starts to wander, and then you're like, I was praying. I need to get back to praying. And, and so you, you harness it back in. But that's why I think there was some learning to pray. Some teach me to pray. Uh, because these things don't just come naturally. Time alone with God. I think more than likely, for the vast majority of us, this time is not nearly enough. And I believe it's going to show in our churches. If we're not in the Word and on our knees in prayer... We will not have spirit-led men to lead the church. Luke 6, 12. I'm just going to read a, a few references. Luke 6, 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went up into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. Anyone want to guess who that was? Jesus. So Jesus, he, he went up into the mountain and prayed, and he spent the whole night in prayer with God. So we worry about, well, you know, I'm up at night anyway, I can't sleep, and if I pray, I'll just fall asleep. Wasn't that what you were wanting? <laughs> you know, so, but, but instead we, we do other things. Luke 9, 28, And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as, sorry, my notes were, I don't know what happened to, but there were some typos here that were really funny. Sorry. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. So he took his friends. <laughs> okay, I'll just say it. It said Peter, John, and Hames. And <laughs> I don't even know how that happened. So he, uh, he took his friends with him this time. He went up into the mountain, and he, he called some friends with him. He said, hey, come with me. Let's do collective prayer. And, and he brought them with him. And Jesus went to a certain spot to pray. And when you think about it, it wasn't that he, he put effort into going somewhere to pray. So 
we're in our house. It, it says you can go into your closet, right? That's not a very long walk. And then you could take time to pray. Jesus, when he went up into the mountain, he didn't get into his Honda Civic and drive up the mountain. He walked up the mountain. So he not only put effort into getting to a certain place, once he got to that certain place, he then took some more time and actually prayed. If, you, if Jesus, the Son of God, needed that much time to pray, how much time do I need to pray? I, I think a lot more. Now what I don't want to happen is we get done the message, I'm standing in the back greeting people, and, and you come by and you're like, Dave, you gave me a lot to think about. I want you to say, you know what, I'm going to do better this next week. I'm actually going to take some time and I'm going to pray. And maybe you're already doing it. I don't want to assume that no one's praying like they ought to. But if I don't just focus and I'm going to do it, it doesn't happen. We, we, we have these good ideas and, and, and good things that we, ideals, but unless we do it, it never happens. Jesus prayed with passion. Jesus prayed with confidence. Jesus prayed with humility. And more than anyone on earth could ever realize, he knew the power of prayer. He knew what it did. He could see the spirit world. He could see the demons cowering in the corner when he prayed. He could see the, the, the face of God lighting up when, when he prayed. He knew the aspects of prayer that we don't see and we don't, sometimes we feel, but all too often we go on feelings too much. And these things are happening, great things are happening in the, in the spirit world when we pray, but we don't realize all the dynamics. Luke 11, 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And, I'll, and that was the third time in Luke that Jesus was in a certain place praying. And his disciples were with him, and they were watching him, and they said, that's something I want. I want to be able to pray like Jesus is praying. Uh, have you ever, I, I stayed at my grandma's for like a year and a half, and I would hear her out in the living room, just praying her heart out. She would pray for her grandchildren. He, she would pray for the church, and she would, and, and it was like a sincere, she was talking to God. And I had this desire, I want to pray like grandma prays. You know, and, and I think the disciples had that same feeling. They saw, they heard Jesus praying, they watched him praying, they said, we want that. So turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Jesus just didn't say to them, well, go figure it out. He said, well, I'll teach you how to pray. And it wasn't a long, drawn-out prayer. It was, a, it was a simple prayer, but a profound prayer. So Luke eleven two, and he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And on the Sermon of the Mount, he repeated a similar prayer. He said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
So as I, as I studied that prayer, I said, what can we learn from that prayer? That, that prayer that's all so familiar to us. The, the Lord's Prayer that we've repeated over and over, uh, maybe growing up through our childhood. We've said the prayer and it's become very familiar to us. But what can we learn from that? You ever go to God with an agenda? You're like, you're, you, you pray to Him and you, you're maybe asking Him for something, but you, in your mind you have it figured out. So you're halfway telling God how He should go about answering your prayer already? Do we realize who we're talking to? Do we realize who we're communicating with? Yes, He's our Heavenly Father, but He is God. He knows everything. He, he's, he's in control. And I was just struck by when we come to Him in prayer, is it in humility? Do we recognize who He is right from the start? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. So we've developed this thing of being so casual when we pray and so distracted and so, so many things of life, all these distractions come in and we forget, I think, a little bit that we're talking to God, that we're talking to an almighty creator. And, and yes, we're to pray without ceasing and we can pray while we go about our work. I think that's good. But I, I think we need to realize who we're praying to. Luke 18, if you just flip over a couple chapters, or more than a couple, to Luke 18, and starting at verse 10, two men went up into a temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. I fast twice in a week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes in the heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And I think I've said this before, but, you know, we don't say the things the Pharisees said. But I wonder if God doesn't hear in our prayers what this Pharisee was praying. You know... The prayers I hear are like, well, God, you know, I, I slipped up last week. I, I did a little, a little boo-boo, <laughs> you know, and I, I know you're a merciful father, and I know you'll forgive me if I but just ask you, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not really involved in sin like uh, all-out adultery, and, and I, um, I've learned the right words, and, you know, I'm not a prostitute or anything. I'm a pretty good person, you know. And, and in our minds, we're not saying these things out loud, but we're thinking them. Like, well, my sin isn't that bad. When's the last time you've seen someone beating their breast and, and like, beating their chest and, and crying out to God for mercy? I've not seen it. Um, I, I've seen some people that were pouring their hearts out for God, to God, and, and it made a big difference. Um, but this whole, I've seen people with indigestion kind of like <laughs> beat their chest. Like, oh, I got some indigestion there. And, and, and then I got to thinking, if we have sin in our life, maybe it should cause us some heartburn. Maybe it should cause us some heartache. Maybe it should cause us a little indigestion. And when we cry out to God for mercy and grace, God be merciful to me, a sinner. That's when he hears us. And, and I've seen it take place. Welcome, Danny. And I've seen this take place. When we come before God, do we seek to bring Him glory? Do we seek to bring Him praise? 
Not for what he's done for us, but because of who he is. You know, as I examined my own life, I, I felt the inadequacy of my prayer life. If everyone prayed like me, where would the church be? You know, there's so much power in prayer. There, it's a main line of power and grace. And, and far too often, I think it's just barely cracked and we're getting some of the fumes. You know, we're, we're sniffing on the fumes of the prayers and we could open up the valve and, and get all the blessings. We know this is true, so why is it so hard to do? Why is it whenever we get serious about spending time with God, more time in the Word, more time in prayer, more time fasting, that distractions come along? And one thing I figured out is that Satan hates when we get serious with God. He doesn't want it to happen. It scares him. But he's smart, he's subtle, and he says to himself, no need to panic. They're not going to keep that up very long. You know, how... how He's, he prayed good last week. Give him another week. He, he probably can't keep it up two weeks in a row. And Satan knows that if he attacks you right head on, and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack him. He's praying. I'm, I'm just going to smack him right up front. And he knows that you might say, you might recognize what's going on. You might recognize, well, that was attack of the enemy. That was the devil attacking me. And I'm going to pray even harder. So instead of that, Satan adds all these little distractions in life. And so he, he the phone rings and a, and a real estate client calls and animals get sick and propane tanks dump over. And, you know, all these little distractions, you know, um, babies will scream, news alerts pop up, thoughts of you know, projects for next week and, and social media, the posts are dinging and um, all these little distractions. He doesn't do it and he, he adds all these things to you and, and before you know it, you're not praying like you had set out to do. And then when you, when you actually got to church, he points out all the distractions around you. He, he might point out the hypocrisy and someone sitting in the pews and he wants you to look at, you know, someone else's double chin. or so. You know, he doesn't want you to focus on, on praying. Uh, he points out, you know, the guy with the annoying hack in the back. And that the preacher's out of shape. I don't know. You know, all these little things that he wants you not to focus on prayer. He doesn't want to focus on God's word. He wants you to be thinking, your mind to wander. So you can sit there, but your mind's a thousand miles away, and you're distracted. And before long, you get this little smug grin on your face, and you're like, God, you know, I'm really not that bad. Uh, I feel pretty good about myself. And Satan relaxes just a little bit and said, I won the fight. I won the fight. wonder when he's going to try again. We've Americanized prayer. It's quick and easy. Something that can be done on the fly, laying down, standing up, sitting, sideways, whatever. The Bible says pray without ceasing, but I think there's something about kneeling down. I appreciate our church for kneeling in prayer, and I think we can do it at home too. Um, it's been a little hard with Jackson and not sleeping at night, uh, but family devotions, uh, there was a time, and, and Satan brought up distractions. We'd go to the living room and we'd kneel down as a family and pray, and we need to get back to that. If we're not willing 
You know, I, I recognize the aches and pains, but the majority of us aren't there yet. There's a few that your knees might not cooperate if you kneel down and you can barely get back up. But for us young people, we can kneel down. Um, the Muslims put us to shame in this area of being prostrate on the, on the ground and, and humility. And, and maybe it's just a show, but I think it should be more than a show for us. Uh, a, a time of, you know, God, I know you're holy. I know you're awesome and wonderful, and I, I just want to show some respect. Matthew 6, 6, But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. And I'm pretty sure I didn't get this into my notes anywhere, but James says, uh, when you ask for something, ask in faith, nothing wavering. So, I think we also dumb down the power of prayer when we, when we pray, but we don't have faith that it's ever going to do anything. And we need to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Have you been in your closet lately? Have you shut the door? Have you got all the distractions out? Luke 18, 1, And he spake a parable unto this end, saying that men, met, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. If you're weary from fighting the battle and you're feeling faint, there's a good chance that maybe you haven't been praying like you should have been. If there's, there's strength in prayer, there's uh, strength in persistent prayer, and I'm not talking about persistent prayer and something that you already know the answer for, like Balaam when he was praying, well, I want to curse the children of Israel because I'll get money for it. No, that's not the type of persistent prayer. But if there's a need in your life, or if, if there's a sinner that needs Christ, persistent prayer, God answers the persistent prayer. Luke 18, 2 just a little bit above what we read, says, there was, in a, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him and saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow, tr widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what that unjust judge saith, Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And that's something I love about our God. He is never weary or tired. He's never not available. But he's also never early, and he's never late. And, and sometimes we, we prescribe him on one of those other times. Well, maybe if God would just answered my prayer yesterday, it would have been a lot better. Or maybe if he had answered it the way I thought, you know, maybe he shouldn't have answered it so soon. I don't know. We don't say that unless it's a no. Huh. We don't like getting no's very much. Isaiah 40, 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faint not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a praying saint right there. God has all the power to give us, and he has power to, to lead us and give us strength. 
It says, Will not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? And, and so often we want a speedy answer. How about the next part of the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. Just day-to-day -day supply our needs. Not give us this month or month's supply or just be near us this year. Day by day. It's something in, in America we don't think about very much. We don't think of day-by-day -day basis. At least I don't. I'm, I'm supplied for at least a month, maybe two, <laughs> you know, and maybe a year. The, the freezers are full. But what if the freezers quit running? And what if, you know, I don't worry about that stuff. But do we rely on God day to day? Even though we have so much stuff, even though we're fairly self-sufficient, do we rely on God? Do we realize that we're still in need of God? Or have we become so self-sufficient that we don't even rely on them like we used to? Do you have temptations that you face? When... When you've entered into temptation and you pray, sometimes that's hard because you're being tempted. It's not a, normally as you're in a temptation, you're not having a strong desire to be praying. Uh, and so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking Mark 14, 38, watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And so Jesus went away, and then he says he came back and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. So the disciples, Jesus wanted them to pray with them so they, they did not enter into temptation when that temptation was going to come. But they were tired, they were weak, and they were sleeping. I wonder if we're any different. Jesus is saying, I want you to pray today so that you don't enter into temptation tomorrow. I don't want you to pray right in the middle of the temptation. Well, I do. But it's better that you pray ahead of time and you, you, you've come proactive into the fight and you've come with strength to overcome that temptation when it comes. And I wonder what would have been the results had the disciples prayed with Jesus. Do you think they'd all run away? Do you think before Jesus would have prophesied that Peter would deny him three times? You have to wonder. I think if they had been praying... Um, I find it interesting, Jesus said to Peter, when thou art converted, uh, come and, you know, you're going to be a great man someday. When thou art converted, feed the sheep. And right after that, Peter said, well, what are you talking about? I'm going to go with you and I'm going to die with you. I'm going to go with you to death right now. And, and he had, his spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak because he wasn't praying. And so he was willing to die, you know, in his heart, he was going to die. And then, because he was weak, he denied his Lord three times. I'm a firm believer that a church that prays together stays together. And I appreciate our prayer meetings and the attendance we see. 1 Peter 4, 7, But the end of all things is at his hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Pray for one another. Paul did a really good job of this. If you read through the epistles, he'll, he'll see that he said, um, I cease not to pray for you day and night, and um, making mention of you always in my prayers. And throughout all his epistles, he was praying for the churches, and he was praying that they would not do evil, and he was praying that they'd be kept from the power of the evil one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 25, about eight verses after we find the verse, Pray without ceasing, Paul says to the brethren, pray for us. 
And, and I think that's a desire of any minister of God's word. Pray for us. Pray for your ministry. Uh, we face temptations. We face trials. We face, face discouragement at times. We need prayer. A lot of it. Pray for us. And I know you do. And keep it up. 1 Timothy 2.8 I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness, godliness with good works. Men, prayer is not generally the area that we lead in. You know, our ladies often do a lot better than us at praying. Uh, in general... The older ladies in the congregation far outshine the men in their, their prayer life. Um, that's a general statement. It's not a rule across the board. But they're, they're often prayer warriors. But it says, men, you're supposed to lead out. And it talked about lifting up holy hands. And when I was thinking about this, this thing of lifting up holy hands, or when I see like a person in this position, who do you see most often in, in your house in this position? Your, your child, right? This, they're always, you know, Daddy, I want you to hold me. And, and I don't, I'm not going to call God Daddy, but I want God to hold me. I want, I want to, it's a vulnerable position, right? Pick me up. Lift me up. Um, and it's also an inviting position, right? So you're, you're inviting God into your life. I'd be very scared if you're holding your hands up and inviting some other spirit in, right? And, but more important than lifting up your hands in a, like a physical act, it says lifting up holy hands. Yes. You know what that means? It means pure hands. Hands that um, have been washed, that have been cleansed by the blood. And I'm still thinking about this statement, but the only prayer... I don't want to say it too boldly, but the only prayer that God hears from a sinner is the prayer of repentance. Is that possible? The only prayer that God hears from a sinner is a prayer of repentance. When, because that's the only way to come to it. So if, if we have sin in our life, if, if we're living in sin, is God going to hear us, well, guide me this next day to know what occupation I should do or what, who I should marry or, you know, all these questions that, that might arise? Does God hear sin when we have sin in our life? And some verses that I, that I read, Psalm 66, 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Well, that's scripture, right? Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. And yet prayer is the only way in which we can restore that broken relationship with God. And I wanted to end on a positive note. Do you realize what a privilege we have to be able to come directly to God, directly to the throne of grace and ask for forgiveness, to have our sins cleansed and put beneath the blood? It's, it's a privilege that we can't fully comprehend. And then more than that, we've been given an advocate who is interceding on our behalf. 1 John 2, 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. 
But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So not only did Jesus atone for our sins, but he's standing beside the Father, and he's making intercession for us. And saying, Dave sinned, but he was repented of it. And, and he want, he, my blood's covering that sin. And he said, Father, I want you to welcome him into your kingdom. You know, we have an advocate with the Father. We can't, can't grasp what, what all that means. And then Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groaning, which cannot be uttered. So even my meager prayers, even when I don't know what to say, we have a spirit that's praying on our behalf. And, and so we're calling out to God in a sincere heart, in a humble heart, and, and we're calling out to God. And we have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. We have everything on our side to have victory. We've been given all the provisions. Why don't we claim it? Talk about having everything in place to make us successful. Every opportunity has been given us to live in victory over the world and sin. 1 John 5.13 These things I write unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He will hear us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. So if we pray anything in, in God's will, He will hear us. God is waiting to hear from you. How long has it been? You know, if you have a close friend, chances are you talk on a regular basis. I remember dating. We talked for a very long time, much to the chagrin of her parents. <laughs> no, but we were getting to know each other. That's how we were getting, they were like, well, they're getting to know each other a little too good. Uh, they need to get married. And, and we did. So, um, but when you're, when you're praying to God, he wants to get to know you. Well, how is he going to do that? How are you going to get to know each other? Spend time together. Do you know God? Do you want to know him better? Spend some more time with him. Valuable time. Friends, that takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes desire. And he's waiting to reveal himself to you. And I'll just share, I've been blessed quite a bit this past couple weeks. I've had several prayer groups with brothers of the church, and it's been a blessing. I've, I've met several. And and I was at a conference the other day, and we were sharing, me and another brother were sharing, and we were, we were telling him about some of our trials that we're facing. We are sharing trials. And he said, Brother, can I pray for you? I said, Sure. So there was a lot of people around. He just wrapped his arm around my shoulder, and we had a little prayer meeting right in the middle of conference. Uh, it was down at the, the dinner time. But it, spend some time praying with the brother, praying for each other, that we faint not by the way. God bless you. <clears throat> Number 832. <laughs> 832. With the stores of life around the feet. Can you, would you read verse uh, 2 and 4? Can you read verse 2 and 4 when we get to it? Read? Yeah, we'll sing verse 1, 3, and 4. Thank you for not asking me to sing.
you want to, you can. Eight hundred thirty-two. Yeah. 